I'm here. Awesome, man. Sounds good on my, my end from you. How do I sound? I can hear you. You sound good. Perfect, perfect. So um, we'll just kind of jump into it pretty quick. I don't know if you've been listening to the podcast or not, but I try to keep it quick. Uh, the last one, me and Frederick always run long whenever we talk, but kind of 15 to 20 minutes is kind of the sweet spot. I don't really want to go over 30, but we'll just kind of see how it flows. Um, All righty. Kind of the kind of the cue for the end of the show is I'll I'll just ask you um, like we'll start out at the beginning about like let people know about you kind of where they can find you and then we'll recap with the same thing at the end so when I get to that it's kind of like the cue we're wrapping up. Um, okay. But I have the the questions in front of me so um, we'll kind of do like a little intro to the show and then we'll just jump straight into it. All right, sounds good. One second here. All right, welcome back to the Last Prepper Standing Podcast. Today I got another special guest, and I'm really excited about this guest because I'm trying to come full circle with my mission 2024. And when I thought about survival skills, it made me think about bushcrafting skills. And then the next thought to my mind was Arizona Bushcraft. I reached out to him. He was gracious enough to come onto this show. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. How's it going, man? Going good, man. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Um, I'm just, I'm really excited to have you here. And um, we talked a little bit kind of about what we wanted to go over. And I think the best place to start is kind of what's your background and, and where can people find you? Oh, my background. Well, you can find me on Instagram at Arizona Bushcraft. I have a link to my YouTube channel on there. It's Arizona Bushcraft 1822. It's not a lot on YouTube yet, but we're getting there. Yeah, your YouTube, um, you're really close to that 100, 100 follower mark, which was such a goal for me when I first started out. So you're almost right there. And I was going back, kind of reviewing some of your content. And I really liked, um, really liked the video you did about, um, you know, what, is it, what does it mean to be a survivalist? And I think you said it best. It was about being a little bit more self-reliant. If you could, you know, if you could do it on your own, you'd like to do it on your own. And I think it's important for people to start thinking that way, especially as the economy starts to turn, things get a little bit kind of more out of hand. Falling back on some of those self-reliance skills are going to be more important than ever. Um, has recently that been playing a bigger role in your life? It has. It has actually, yes. I've been doing more gardening I've got an elk tag right now. I haven't got an elk yet. I'm waiting for it to cool off a bit. So hopefully I'll get some meat in the freezer. Got a lot of crops coming up. Nice. Now, what's your main focus when you're uh, when you're doing gardening and stuff? In, in that's got to be a little bit of its own challenges. Right now, it's actually pulling together really good because I'm growing everything in the shade. I don't nice. get a lot of sunshine on anything, and it's been hot enough that everything I've put in the ground, I've actually overplanted now because i expected some of it would die but now it's all coming up so i'm gonna have a lot lot going on that sounds like the complete opposite of my current gardening experience i'm not <laughs> i'm not i'm not doing so well with this texas heat and i'm playing kind of like a shell game with these plants moving them from one spot of the yard to another we've been out here going on i think six years now and we've only had but one year where we actually like did really really well 
Um, what's that kind of the main thing you grow out there? Um, right now, I'm trying to grow things that I can get multiple harvests out of or things that I can get a quick summer harvest from and then be able to plant again in the fall. So right now I'm growing kale, a lot of kale, because you can trim kale as it grows and it'll keep growing and growing almost to like a small tree. You can get a lot of uh, a lot of plant or excuse me, a lot of kale off of just a couple of plants. And do you go straight from the straight from the garden straight to the plate? Or do you save yep. put any back or as of now I'm going from the garden to the plate. Once everything else catches up, I'm gonna do some canning and preserving and get a good stash put away. Nice. Also now, do with you, them. Do you I'm do sorry, any I'll, of like the do you do any dehydration? Can you dehydrate that? I do, yes. Nice. Yeah, I got into that for a little bit, uh, kind of in the fall, but I've gotten away from it. I need to get back to it myself. But that seems like uh and we also like I haven't been canning much lately either. I don't like with all this stuff that's going on, I'm, I'm really starting to realize that, hey, there was some stuff that I was doing that like was cool, but I just kind of did it as a temporary hobby versus I need to be doing this to be a little bit more self-sustainable and, and really focus on it. And I thought gardening was going to be one of a time this year. I think I've got like a couple jalapenos from the jalapeno plant. And that's like about it. Everything else has been just dying on the vine and I cannot stay ahead of it. Right. It's tough, but I mean, I, I guess I just have a green thumb because everything I've put in the ground is coming up like crazy. So (laughs) (laughs) that's, that's a blessing to have that. Now on top of gardening and all that, like you're obviously into bushcraft. Um, what, what got you into that? Um, I was kind of born into it. I grew up, my dad's a cowboy. I grew up on ranches, cowboy and my grandfather, he was a cowboy, but he was a hunter and quite the outdoorsman. And he taught me a lot of just living with the natural world and appreciating it, you know? Right. Now you passing that along? Yes. I've got a six year old son and he's learning quite a bit. Nice. That's one thing. Uh, my boys are getting a little bit older now. My oldest is about to be uh, 18 this year. My youngest is 11. I think I've done pretty good passing along, you know, some of the stuff I know, but I definitely wish I kind of knew more and was able to pass on some of the skills. So that kind of brings me to a great part. If somebody was interested in this, where's like, where would you recommend someone start when it comes to bushcrafting? Well, um, in this day and age, we've got YouTube, which is awesome. I mean, you can jump on there. You can find how to do anything. But I'd recommend go out, find you some good books. And, I mean, if you're new to it, pretty much any book you pick up, there's going to be full of information that's new to you. And even even me, I've got four or five books in the back of my Jeep right now in my backpack ready to go. So plant identification, different skills books. Just go out and play. Be, be just, a big kid about it. Look through the book, find something. It's like, oh, this is a cool trap. Let's build it. You know, yeah. there's a cool plant. I wonder what that is. Oh, it's, it's a, uh, you know, it's edible. We can do this with it. It's medicinal. Wow. We identified that. Cool. Mark it down, you know? Right. That's actually something that um, I've also wanted to work on is just plant identification. I bought uh, a book and I think they do a lot of books or he does a lot of books. It's Charles Kane, uh, Wild Edibles. And they'll break it down by uh, regions for like yes. identifying plants and what you could go pick and all that stuff. Um, I've also, there's like, a, there was an app. I don't know if you've seen it. There's an app that you could take a picture of it and it'll help identify it for you, which I think is 
a little scary, but kind of cool all at the same time. If, if you're not, maybe people aren't super familiar with, you know, they feel confident just looking at the book and doing it themselves. But, you know, there's a lot in my backyard that I just thought were weeds that were actually, like you said, medicinal purposes or could be used for um, for eating that I just I didn't even think of. So is that something you practice regularly, like going out and harvesting or is that just a skill set in the back pocket there? It's a constant thing. If I'm out and I see something that I can use, I harvest a bit. If I go out, I'll see something. I don't know what it is. I take a picture of it. I'll find out what it is, make a note of it, you know, go back. Same thing with tracks. I mean, watch everything when you go out. I mean, basically, you want to be just, you look at every single thing. What animals are there? Where's the water? Is there water? What plants are growing? Where are the animals moving? You know, what kind of resources do you have all around you? Yeah, that's a, that's a big thing, man. I, I recently went fishing uh, with a friend, and he, he just moved in this new neighborhood, and I, I kind of call it like it's a rural slash suburban area, if that makes sense. It's just like a little housing development that's kind of built out in the middle of nowhere, right? But right. all the houses are kind of cookie cutter and look the same, but you're in the middle of nowhere, East Texas, and you got a lot of stuff around you. And he hopped on that Google Earth, uh, identified some ponds and some little uh, kind of channels in his area, and he mentioned to one of his neighbors about fishing and the guy had no idea that was around him and we've been going out there pulling bass out of there the last couple weekends in a row and it's just one of those things where you have to know your surroundings and you have to know your area i think so much is focuses us on not thinking about that and keep us indoors like you said you got to go out and play you got to go out and experience it now does it kind of more your lifestyle to be out and about or is it something that you have to make time for anymore i have to make time for it um my my job keeps me outside but i'm kind of on call so a lot of times i'm being mr mom so i've got a six-year-old and a two-year-old that i'm that i have with me pretty much 24 7 but i take them out as much as possible and i like them to see that's the most important part is like go out into the world and see it's like everything you need is there walmart is a silly notion mcdonald's is a silly notion it's like that's the big mindset that people need to get away from is this instant gratification things come from the stores like no it's not what we call the grid and the system you think about it it's a very 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 new thing when it comes to mankind it's like we've very lived very thousand... new thing. and a lot of people are yeah. starting to see how um how weak it is yeah it's a very fragile notion that's honestly very harmful to people. Yeah, it is. You know, it is harmful too, because they're going there and, you know, myself, um, and this is just related to that. I'm sure this is part of what you're talking about, but most of that food is not good there. It's not good there for you. It's you weren't really even meant to eat that. I did a a paleo diet um, for the last two weeks. Are you familiar with that? I'm actually doing that myself. Yes. I'm a big fan of paleo, man. It was, uh, I went through a little bit of a detox kind of midweek one and it it Mm -hmm. started to fade away um, later in the week, kind of early into week two. But, you know, it's kind of funny because it's it's so simple because it's really how you're supposed to eat. But we're so conditioned. Like I almost I felt really malnourished at first because I didn't have like you had to think about my food a little bit more. 
if that makes sense. And I wasn't able to just to like grab stuff that was around because there's an abundance of junk food around. At least, you know, for most people, they're going to find themselves around junk food all the time versus trying to have that paleo diet. Um, yeah, these food, the, a lot of these big box stores are poison. You're not really supposed to, to eat that type of stuff. You're not supposed to operate off that type of stuff. I mean, my first mind, first thought I thought about when I was eating like this is, you know, you don't see fat you know, you know, everything's a rendering, but you don't see people even who live um, in these sustainable kind of environments in other countries who are hunting and fishing for their food. None of them are fat. None of them are obese. And it has, no. it has, I'm sure a lot of it has to come to the instant food that we have and the, the crap quality of it, too. Yes. And 90 percent, well, probably 99 percent of all the stuff you see on the shelves in the stores. That didn't even exist 100 years ago or even 80, 50 years ago, a lot of it didn't. Right. Yeah, and, and a, lot of, a lot of byproducts, too, is what I was kind of learning about as well. Yeah, that's been a real sharp curve <laughs> in the story of mankind in the last, well, for America anyway, in the last 200 years, I'd say, things have kind of gone really strange. Right. Now, when uh, kind, of, kind of all that, you know, we kind of, I imagine for bushcrafting when i think about it one of the things i get worried about is if you know the ac runs out like i have ac in my house i love it in texas i couldn't imagine living without it but i wouldn't even know where to begin unless i started looking into some of these bushcrafting skills about how to operate with it is that a mindset you have being out there in arizona too absolutely because you think about it wherever you live it doesn't matter where you are unless you're in the arctic circle or someplace insane it's like people have lived there for a long time before us, you know, and they thrived there. So there is ways to do it with, I mean, mud and sticks and bricks and what have you. Yeah. And being next, like I've, I've been studying the, the Caddo Indians. That's kind of who lived in this area. And I've been looking at yeah. the ways that they made their shelters kind of breaking down when they were hunting what they were hunting for and fishing and just how like there's so much that was done before we got here it just blows my mind and so many of these skills are are completely lost i i lean lend towards like my better skill set i think when i'm out and about as shelter building i don't think mm -hmm. i'm the be best fisher or anything hunting done very little of it a little bit here and there but i'm pretty good at the shelter building kind of using the resources around me to make myself comfortable um out of all kind of the bushcraft skills is there one that you kind of lean towards it's your thing um let's see i i don't i can't i guess if there was one thing i just like to do it's my trap building building snares and stuff that's that's fun <laughs> Right, man. I was. Uh, do you watch any of the survival shows, like Alone or anything like that? I do. They actually reached out to me a couple of years ago to audition, and I'm not technically savvy enough. I couldn't. I didn't get the video sent, and I don't know how to edit and all that. So. <laughs> oh man, that's uh. Well, you mentioned the trapping. To, the trapping to me, man, is so impressive. The the knowledge that you'd have to have to really effectively do that, like really understanding where the game trails are, how to set them just right. And uh, one of the things, like you said, getting back to nature, a guy on the recent season, I don't know if you've been watching this one or not, but he mentioned, you know, it's kind of a drag for him to go check his trap lines 
but he respects the animal, respects nature enough that he needs to make sure that he tracks it, tra ch checks the traps every day because it's kind of the humane thing to do. Now, is that like a, a regular thing for you in terms of gathering your food and stuff? Unfortunately, it's illegal where I live, oh. so I, I get to set them and, you know, I can set them off and play with them. But if you want to go trap animals, that's that's a no, no. So. Yeah, that's a, that's a weird thing, too. I had a had a friend kind of teasing me the other day because, like I was mentioning about the fishing, because I asked him about, like, well, do we need a fishing license? He says, you know, like, I thought you were all into freedom and stuff. I said, yeah, I am. So, so you think they need a fishing license to, to survive? You think that's a, a freedom thing for you? It's kind of <laughs> weird the, the, the world that we're in, you know? He was trying to get me on board yeah. with uh, some po poaching some deer. I'm like, I don't know. I really rather not get in trouble for it, but I get your point. You know what I mean? Well, I'm fortunate enough where I live. I have really good friends right up on the Hopi reservation. And I've worked with, with my best friend, Danny. I've worked with him for probably 10 years now out on the ranches and such. And his family is very traditional and they have a whole different set of rules up there. You know, it's like, you want to go shoot a deer, you go shoot a deer. They farm, they hunt. They're awesome people. I've learned so much from them, but mostly they've opened up a whole nother doorway of learning how to learn, you know, and what right. to look for and just things to take note of. I've been right. able to get a lot. We get a lot of, we get a lot of noise and it's hard to focus sometimes and learn those things around you. Right. But anyways, um, let me see. Let me go back to my questions here. This is pretty interesting, man. Like what now I mentioned like the bushcraft, what kind of skill do you think is, is your main point? You mentioned you like doing the trapping. What do you think is like a good starting point for skills for someone to learn if they had to pick one bushcraft thing to focus on first? Would it be hunting, shelter? What, what do you think? I think if you want to start with it right off the bat, learn three or four ways how to make a fire. Great point. So, I Great mean, point. most everybody can prop up a tarp and keep the wind off of you. I mean, that doesn't take too much skill to do that. And uh, say fishing and whatnot, that's, that's a good skill, but it's a more of a long-term type skill. Start with the basics. Start with looking at how can I survive if I'm broke down on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere or I get out on a hike and I'm stuck out in the middle of nowhere. How am I going to survive the night? Okay. Envision it. Well, it's hot. How am I going to do it? It's cold. It's snowing. How am I going to do it? You know, just run through the scenarios in your head. Start with like the one day mark and then go from there. That's a good point. Starting with that first day of survival, because if you can't make it through that, you're not going to survive any other days, right? Exactly. Yeah, sometimes and look into we'll... it as a... oh, good. And look into it like a... you're just building that endurance pretty much. It's an endurance race. The more things you learn, the more things you can utilize. And don't worry too much about the tools. Okay, kind of do away with that. It's like anybody can start a fire with a big lighter, but if you fall in a puddle and your lighter gets wet, you're screwed if you don't know any other way to do it. I mean, yeah, don't worry got, about got yeah, things that run on, your skills. Yeah, things that run on flat, throw it away. One day practice, like I say, start with the one day. Go out and do it. Take your if you plan on whatever emergency kits in your car, drive your car out to a spot where you can camp. 
and just pull all your stuff out of there and spend the night. See how rough it is. See how easy it is. See what you need and what you don't. Next time, just practice, you know. Practice does make perfect. And I I have to myself get back into a little bit of a practice mode. I was kind of focusing on it a lot more a few years ago. And like you said, I you just got to go out and do it. And I like that idea of, you know, take your bug out bag, take whatever it is you have, drive out to somewhere and see how that night goes. See how two nights go, yeah. something like that. Because one thing I did when I actually hiked with my bag on a regular basis, I actually took my bag with me on an overnight and then on a, a two night overnight. I found out one, I don't need as much stuff as I thought. Mm-hmm. Two, there's there's some stuff I much rather have in terms of like just kind of bug repellent or a way to like extra like I added an extra tarp just to give myself a little bit better barrier on the ground as well as overhead. Right. And I didn't think about that ground protection until I really got out and d- and did it. I was just thinking about an overhead canopy. You know what I mean? So there's a lot there's a lot to be said for going out and doing it and. You mentioned it real quick, the different seasons. Like, how many seasons do you have in – where? I know you're – are you in the high desert of Arizona? Yeah, I'm up in the high desert, and we get – well, we get four seasons, but spring and fall are pretty short. It goes from over 100 in the summertime, then it'll get below zero in the wintertime sometimes. So I kind of go from one extreme to another pretty rapidly. Right, and I've traveled through Arizona um, – during both times and i was very surprised at how cold it was it didn't even cold and windy is what i remember and it was only i was only there for for a little while but i could it it threw me off because i think everyone's default with arizona is heat and heat and cactuses so (laughs) they don't think about how how cold it is there well that's the cool thing about arizona that we've got we've got the mountains you know, pine trees, pine forests. We've got the cedar flats and cedar forests, and you got lakes and rivers, and we've got high desert like where I'm at. Then you get down in the lower desert. I mean, it's kind of a crazy place. We've got a little bit of everything. Now, where do you thrive in terms of like what season's your peak, like the easiest season for you to survive in? Well, in the about this time of year, I've a lot of edibles everywhere i've been doing good fishing this year i've been out fishing as often as i can but this time if you're shooting any i don't shoot any big game this time of year because it's just too hot it would it would spoil unless i'm like right close to my vehicle with ice and everything ready to go so hunting this time of year and the small animals you got to worry about diseases ticks and fleas and all that you got to let it freeze and hit them with a good frost before i really go after them because I don't like to shoot them, and then I look, and it's like, oh, well, they're covered in ticks. I'm not going to eat that. Well, I just wasted that rabbit, you know. And your time, right? Jeez, I didn't even think about that in terms of the the hunting and stuff, and that just comes from my own lack of experience. So is that why most hunting seasons tend to be towards the winter? Yes. Okay. Well, that and that and it's a good time with the rut. I don't agree with that and the regulation. I think we should leave animals alone during the rut and let them get bred and done with and then hunt them, you know, right after just to let them repopulate. Now, is um, is that an issue in your area? Because is, is there any issues with animals in your area, like overpopulation? Because I know out here they have like a bunch of hog issues and they kind of want you to kill them. Right now, um, right through the middle of town where I live, there's a river that runs through and 
along it, there's a lot of irrigation ditches and some farmland where the farmers growing alfalfa and whatnot. And it is overrun with elk. So I got a deprivation tag for the river and I've been hunting an elk down there, but like I say, it got too hot. So I just kind of let them be and I'll wait till it cools off and get back after them. Right now. Um, I've never had elk meat or anything like that. What is it? Is it, is that kind of the peak of it? I know everyone talks about, it. is that your favorite type of meat or. I like venison myself. I like deer meat, but elk's really good. A lot of people like elk because it's not too gamey for a game meat. I like game meat, but the people that don't, they, they like the elk. It tastes a little, it's a little more palatable in a way. Yeah. According to, uh, I guess, normal people. <laughs> <laughs> to people's uh, un unsophisticated hunter palate, I guess it would be, right? Yeah. It's like me. I'm out here. I'll, I'm, I'm not above killing the snake and eating it whenever I'm hungry, you know? So. <laughs> right. Man, I got a, we actually had a snake out here and I was, cause we're alone and naked and afraid and stuff are on right now. And that's kind of one of the things they're going after. And the wife killed the snake and threw it away. I was like, man, we've been watching these shows and that was our chance right there. You should have fried it up <laughs> instead of like, you know, we just killed the snake back here and it's a nuisance to us. And we don't even think about, Hey, that's a food source which I think exactly. is, 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 is a waste, you know, but anyways, so yeah, the bushcrafting, I, I had a couple more questions for you, if, if you don't mind on the bushcrafting in terms of like people getting started. I think that's very smart with the fire. Um, like you mentioned, going out on the, going out and actually trying it and figuring out what you need. Um, what starting to fire, what three ways or two ways or one way is the easiest way for someone to, to practice? Is it a friction fire the uh, bow drill like what do you think would be the one that people could have the most success with the number one that i would recommend to people get a good ferro rod and learn how to use it nice they're pretty they're pretty simple to use once you get the hang of it i mean they're super reliable they're you know you can't hurt them you can't break them you know, to piggyback on that too um a mistake i made with one of the ferro rods was getting a very thin small one they have ones that are pretty thick and big that you could buy. And I switched to that and it made it so much simpler than some of the small little ferro rods that come with your little survival knife or part of your part of your little survival kit. I don't know if you've seen those little tiny ones, but those are no fun to try to start a fire with when you can get one that are a little bit bigger diameter and keep it with you. And it's really not that difference in terms of the weight you're carrying or anything like yeah. that. I do have a big one that I carry with my fire kit. And I carry a piece of fat wood as well because it's uh, pitch pine. It's loaded with pitch and it's real hard, but you make little shavings off of it. You can dunk it in water and then shave some shavings off of it and they'll light and burn like it's nothing. Yeah, you know, I found uh, now is in the heat there, is there humidity too? Not a lot. It, it's pretty dry. It's pretty dry. Okay, there's a lot of... Uh, when it's hot here where I'm at anyways, there could be a lot of humidity. And I, I was very surprised trying to work on some primitive fires about how hard it was to do during the summertime versus it was doing during the wintertime, which was there's less humidity. It was actually easier. So that's something that I think regionally people really have to practice those skills, whether you're using a fail rod or any other primitive, primitive fire starting is make sure you do it in all seasons. Cause I, I, took way more time for me to start a fire in the summer doing it more of a traditional way than it did during the winter. Now I would have not thought that unless I initially practiced it. Yeah. I mean, that's how we learn. It's like 
you learned about carrying that extra tarp. I learned about ground insulation because I froze my ass off a couple times, you know? Right, man. That's a lot of people don't think about how much um, the body heat gets sucked from sleeping on the ground and, and just getting yourself a little bit off the ground is going to actually make a huge difference versus losing air, you know, losing your body heat from above and from below. That'll, that'll wipe you out and deplete you pretty quick. Oh yeah. Now, the um, now for your YouTube channel, um, where can people find you again on that? It's Arizona Bushcraft 1822. And then on Instagram, that is Arizona Bushcraft, all lowercase, Arizona underscore Bushcraft. Perfect. Now, what I'm going to do is when I post this show, guys, I'm going to make sure to put a link on there. I encourage you to go follow Arizona Bushcraft. I think it's some great content, as you could tell, very knowledgeable and understands what's going on. And we got to encourage each other to put more content out there, give people a reason to do it by showing them support. He's really close to that 100 viewer mark. I know a couple things open up for you on YouTube once you get that there. Um, so I, I believe you're at 89 or 90 when I looked. So Guys, go give him a follow on YouTube, follow him on Instagram, do all the things that we have to do. I'm going to promote this across the board. So hopefully you get a little bit, um, a little bit of a bump from the show, a little bit of a bump from the, the post on Instagram, and it'll give you that much more um, encouragement to go out and make videos. Maybe you could do a, a feral rod demonstration for us on the next YouTube you do just for the people who listen to the show. I think that'd be pretty cool. I can do that. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Well, Thank you for your time. Thank you for coming on. Um, I look forward to hopefully talking to you in the future. Uh, it'd be fun to hear about how your elk hunt went. Hey, thanks for having me, bud. Hopefully I get one pretty soon and I enjoy, I enjoyed awesome, my time man. with you guys and thanks for reaching out to me. Awesome. Appreciate it. You have a good rest of your day. You too. Thank you, sir.